and this, uh, Jim will be standing at the back, and we'll give into the into the benevolence offering. And um, you know, we, we we there are some needs that come up. A lot of the benevolence, some of it comes goes to the church, some goes to the community, um, and uh, we do some varied things with that. So, the printer wasn't working this morning, so I had to use my computer for some notes this morning. But before we start. Um, I'd like to pray for my mom. And uh, she just went to the ER. And so Shannon's taking her to the ER, and she's just not feeling well. I don't know what's going on. And, um, but, I mean, she, you, she walked out, so, so we're, gonna, we're just going to pray for her. And then uh, you know, when, we, when I'm done, um, Brian's going to lock up or something, and I'm going to go. But, uh, but actually, I, I'm, I'm not worried. God's got her covered. And we're going to pray. Can we do that right now? Um, Robin, would you, would you like to pray for my mom? Just right where you're at? Thank you, David. Oh, there we are. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to go, I don't know how far we're going to get, probably till around verse 7. Um, first three chapters of Ephesians. Uh, we, we've uh, now covered two of the three. And the first uh, three chapters of Ephesians talk about, there we go, talk about our beliefs. The first three chapters of Ephesians talk about what we believe. And the second three chapters, it talks about how we behave. So, so we've been laying a f- groundwork of our, of our doctrine and our beliefs. Um, uh, another way to say it would be the first three chapters ta- give us an assurance. Also, they give us an assurance of, of life that God has given. And the second three chapters then give us actions for living the life that God has given us. So I'm, I, I'm looking forward to chapters 4, 5, and 6. Um, there's some great stuff in there, but laying that foundation of, of what we believe and the assurances that we have. If you remember back in the beginning, chapter 1, uh, there was some assurances that we were blessed. We learned how much we were blessed, blessed in the heavenly realms. Uh, in chapter 2, um, we talked about our salvation and that we could be assured that we have salvation, that we are saved. Um, in chapter 2 from eleven twenty two, it talked about how we are accepted. And it was a great, I, I enjoyed reading and studying for that, that we are accepted in Christ, that we're no longer rejected, that our life has changed. And in the same section, not only do we learn that we were accepted, but we also learn that we were important. We're assured that we're important. And so we've been learning these things, and we're going to continue on this morning as we go into this interesting part. Now, if you like Bible study, uh, this is kind of a fun part, Ephesians chapter 3. The chapter 3 is pretty much a parenthetical chapter. And in other words, what's going to happen here, he's going to start off, and, and if you read this and went, this is, sounds strange, um, you know, you started reading verse 1 and then verse 2, and you went, something just happened strange. Exactly. What happened is Paul was probably dictating this message to someone, and he starts off and he begins to go, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Now, most of you have a dash in your Bible right there, okay? He then says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace God which was given to me for you. And you go, one and two don't match up. I think this is what scholars believe, this is what I believe was happening, is he started, he started uh, kept going in his, in his uh, letter here that was probably being transcribed for him, and he was going to change direction and say, for this reason, 
and say something. And then he realized, wait, 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 before I go on and say something, I need to talk a little bit more about some of these other thoughts that I didn't develop well enough. And so this whole chapter, some people say to verse 14, um, some people say it's all the way the entire chapter up to verse chapter 4, is kind of like a parenthesis. And I don't know if you've ever done that, where you started to tell a story and then you went, wait, in order to tell this story, I need to go back here and, and elaborate a little bit more before you go on and finish. That's what Paul's doing here. So, um, in fact, when you read this, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, go down to verse 14, and you see, this is why some people says it goes to 14. We're going to talk about what he's saying in these next few verses, but then in verse 14 it says, for this reason, exact same words. So it's possible that he, where he started it, in verse 1, he's picking up in 14. But go to chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. And so in, in verse 3.1 it says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. So, so he's actually kind of doing it twice. So we don't know which one is the parenthesis. I actually personally, I lean towards all of chapter 3 is this par parenthetical statement that is all together before he begins to talk about chapter 4. And that's going to be in a few weeks. And I'm really, I'm looking forward to getting into chapter 4. So I want to hit a few things through these, these first seven verses um, that we go. And the very first thing I want to, and some of them are going to be about the passage, and some of them are going to be things that we're seeing behind the scenes and seeing um, behind in the life of Paul. So we know Paul at this point, this is one of the prison epistles, Paul is in prison. Um, he has not visited the Corinthian church for maybe five to seven years. Uh, he's on his way of it pretty, pretty soon to death. And he has been lied about and he's been accused by his own people. He has been cheated. He has been um, arrested, detained, shipwrecked, flogged, beaten, cat of nine tails, uh, 40 lashes minus one three different times, bitten by serpents. This guy's had a tough, tough time, and now he's in prison. Um, I don't know what the Roman prisons were like. I, I, I haven't, honestly, I haven't studied it. I do know what a Guatemalan prison is like, because I went to visit one. And um, I have a feeling that Rome's prisons were probably more close to Guatemala than they are America. I mean, you know, in America you get TV and you get a lot of stuff in prison. Um, but, but because Paul was a Roman citizen, it may not have been, been horrible, but nevertheless, he's a prisoner. Now, look at, I want to spend some time here. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Rome. Is that what your Bible says? Mine says the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Interesting, huh? We just, we just breeze through this. I, I, did, I do too. He is not looking at all of his circumstances. He is choosing to focus his life on Christ. He's not denying that he's in prison. In fact, many times he says, I'm in prison for your sake. So he's, he's not doing a mind over matter thing. You know, if I just don't admit that I'm here, I'm not here type of thing. Um, he is saying, no matter of my circumstances, that, not, that is not my focus. My, my focus is, is I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in this chapter, he goes on to use about himself the word minister and servant. Paul recognized that he is a servant of Jesus Christ. 
and that he is in his service completely, as a prisoner would also be. And this has really been ministering to me this last couple of days because I believe what many of us uh, need, and all of us at some point or another, uh, have a difficulty when the, the issues, the problems, the circumstances, the difficulties begin to come into our life. We focus on them. We focus on them, and when we do that, our faith is diminished. Our joy is diminished. Our fruitfulness is diminished. But when we focus on Christ in our relationship to him, now I'm not talking about uh, just unfounded hope. Okay, I'm not talking about, well, you know, yeah, I've got money problems, but I just believe God's going to give me $100,000. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I heard an expression uh, in, the trading, in the trading world, um, it's called hopium. Okay, you know, sounds like a drug, right? You, in the trading world, they say, listen, this, you're not taking hopium. You don't do trades on hopium, on this hope that something's going to change and you're going to make a whole bunch of money. Okay, the same thing is in Christ. You know, we don't, we don't smoke hopium. Unfounded hope because we want it to be true. That's not what Paul is doing here. And, and I, I've been guilty of it, and I know a lot of people have been guilty of it. They go through issues, and they go, yeah, but... And they start quoting and claiming things that aren't necessarily gifts from God nor scriptural. They're just hopes. They're going to get money. Their house will be paid off. I'm not saying you can't pray for those things. What I'm talking about, that's not... What I'm saying is he's not just living in a fantasy land here. What he's focusing on is, yes, I'm a prisoner of Rome. I'm probably going to die, but I know I'm going to get to Rome. Remember all the times he says, I, I know I'm safe for now because the Lord showed me I'm going to Rome. But he knew. And so he, but he doesn't focus on any of these things. Instead, he focuses on, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus. And I'm in his service. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And what we need to be do what we're in what i'm encouraged through this chapter uh through this just one single verse right here is that whatever situation is coming up happening that i put it in the context of christ and his love for me and my service to him we used to do this thing in in, in youth group and it's it's kind of fun but it's it it may even help you to remember we used to do this thing if you have big problems then you must have a little itty bitty God. But if you have a big God, then you will have little itty bitty problems. Right? And, and sometimes I think about that. And, and the, the thing is that God doesn't change. See, God is God. But I can make him little by worrying and fretting and claiming all of the negativity of life. Now, ne things are negative in life. I mean, you know, it's not all a bed of roses. But well, we don't claim the negative. We're not going to focus on the negativity. We're going to focus on the grandness of God and, and His glory. And not only Him, but also my relationship to Him. And that's, that's where we're going to continue on this morning.
And so, um, interesting. At the same time, um, I'm been I'm studying for this. Uh, Shannon is is going listening to some uh, teaching. She's in her process of getting her um, degree in counselor in counseling, and so she's learning and, and a lot. And one of the things that she her person she's listening to is Carolyn Leaf, who's who's a neuro um, psychologist psychiatrist she's amazing she's um and she she studies not just um the thought processes she she actually studies the brain she's a researcher and has researched if you want to look her up this is amazing stuff absolutely amazing she speaks all over the world then and understanding that your thought patterns can actually develop um areas in your brain to behave poorly to be unhealthy, or if you have better thought process, it actually changes the, the makeup of your physiological brain. And so, now, I tend, um, well, w when I was younger, I really tended to be an optimist. Um, life came in, and, and, and then I became kind of a pessimistic realist. It's good. And, and God has been working in my heart again to go and to be a, a spiritual realist, looking at the, the life through the, his eyes and within the lens of him. But um, I tend to um, forgive easily. I tend to not hold grudges. I tend to be happier than I am critical and, and negative. Tend to be. Sometimes I can get neg uh, critical and negative. I'm really working on those things. Um, so much that some people have come up to me and says, how can you have such a good attitude uh, during this? And, it, it, and I don't know. I, I don't, my, my mom has a really good attitude. I was partly raised with that. Uh, I don't know what it was. When I was a janitor for the school district, I worked at all the schools, but my last one was over at the elementary school. And they would call me up and they would say, Rob, I'm sorry, there's vomit in room two. That's always a fun call on the radio. <laughs> and I, I would answer, I'm like, okay, I'm on it. And one day I was in the office, and like, how are you so joyful about cleaning up puke? And, and, I, and I, I, like, I honestly didn't know. It, I, I don't know. It wasn't that it was fun. I mean, it's like pretty gross. But there's something that, that God has worked in me that I've allowed him to work in me. See, because I think God wants to work. And, and, and my, my view has caused me to have more joy in other parts of life when I could have been negative. Now, it's, what's awesome is that I'm, I'm discovering that this is how God wired us, even as, as in this Carolyn Lee study. Um, she's studying that, that as we will not pretend things aren't happening, that actually, she says, when you just pretend that bad stuff doesn't happen, that causes your body more stress. <coughs> and, it, and it causes sickness to happen in your physical body. So we're not talking about people who just pretend things are, aren't bad. We're talking about people who are looking for God in the midst of the storm. Looking for God in, in through, they're, they're looking through the lens of Christ and his word and his promises for us. And this is Paul, and, and he's saying, I'm, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. You know, what can Rome do to me? They can kill this mortal body. But the Bible says, pa Paul said, to be apart from this body is to be with Christ. In fact, at some points, he was, he was under so much pressure, he's like, you know, I don't know if I want to depart and be with Christ or stay here. For your sake, I think I'm going to stay. 
I mean, he was so close, Lord, I almost felt like he had a choice that he could say, you know, God, I'm just going to come home, and he would have just left. He just died right there. But he knew that if he were to die in this world, that that meant nothing because he was going to be with Christ. So Paul is a prisoner, not of Rome, but of Christ Jesus. So the question for you and for me, and I'm asking these questions for me, so I'm going to invite you into what I'm doing. Who are you a prisoner of? Are you a prisoner to your debt? Are you a prisoner to your bad relationships? Are you a prisoner to work? Are you a prisoner to drugs? Or are you a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, Paul was still in prison, so I'm not saying just by claiming that you're a prisoner of Christ that you're not going to have a debt problem. You're not going to have a bad relationship problem. You know, over the years of Christianity, it's been very, very, very sad to see a couple who one of them serves the Lord with all of their heart in all of their life, and the other part, part of the, part, the package was just mean and, and just was not a nice person. And, and to, to watch this godly person be in a relationship for 30, 40, 50 years with somebody who wasn't all bad, and I'm not saying they were always all bad, but they were mean and... and, and you know, we think, if I'm nice enough, won't they change? Maybe not. This is maybe not. But, but their attitude was for Christ. And see, that's what we, we, do we want to be? Now, now, if you allow yourself to be in the prison of debt or the prison of work, I hate my job, I hate my job, I hate my job, the prison of a bad relationship, whatever prison it is, you, you can say, man, I'm just in a prison here. I'm just, man, this, this is horrible. This is, this is just bad. I hate it. I just, you don't, you don't even know how bad it is. If I could tell you how bad it was, you would agree with me. And I'm just, it's just bad, right? None of you have ever said that to anyone, I'm sure, right? Or we can say, you know, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, and he's got a plan for me. He's got a way for me to walk, and I'm going to choose to walk in him and for him. Now, it's cool, uh, so much as cool the Bible, is chapter 4, he's going to begin, and that's why I also thought, um, that four was the, the end of the parentheses of this whole section because he goes, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk, a, to walk worthy of the calling which, which you were called. He's talking about the, the bad stuff, the difficulties, um, life. He's talking about the blessings of God, but how the enemy is, is out for us. And I, and, and I don't want to wash over that. Pa Paul is also not saying, you know, I think that Jesus is in every Jesus caused all of the bad things to happen I don't think that's Paul I think that you can read the book of Acts and you can see Satan at work in in his, his imprisonments and some of his beatings I don't think that God says okay Paul I want you to get beat now is he in control yes Did, does he allow it to happen yes but we know that in this world that we have an enemy and the enemy comes in like a flood, and he comes up against us, and we go through things sometimes because of the enemy. Sometimes we go thing, through things because of our own foolish choices. And in the midst of even knowing that Satan had his hand at some of the difficulties that Paul went through, he was still saying, I'm a servant, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. So we, we can't just say, we, we need to re, uh, understand and take that into account. That no matter the situation, that we can choose like Paul. And, and I, I hope that this one thing resonates in your heart this week 
and, and for the rest of time that as, as a, an issue comes up, as something comes in, say, so wait a second, am I, am I going to uh, succumb to it? Or am I going to look at this through the lens of the, of the Bible and through my relationship with Christ? And say, you know what, I, I'm, a, I'm a prisoner of Christ, and if I'm a prisoner of Christ, how should I live? If I'm a servant of the Most High, how should I live? That's actually one of, one of the statements that I try to use all the time when anyone's talking to me and myself and whenever there's an issue, whatever's happening, whether it's God said this or this bad thing happened or whatever, whatever. I said, wow, that's, you know, I'm so sorry, you know, and we talk about it. But then in the end, I always want to say, so how then shall you live? In spite of what you just told me, how then shall you live? And what do you mean? Well, you... You, can, you can't just complain about it. You're going to live. So how are you going to choose to live? And it, and it wakes us up. Oh, wait. I, I've got to live. I've got debt. How am I going to live? I've got a bad relationship. How am I going to live? I'm sick. My body is absolutely broken. How am I going to live? And, and you know, those of you who, who have ailments, I have a, a back that um, likes to go out sometimes. I've ended up in a wheelchair two times now from my, a, a back injury, just for a couple days. It just gets really, really, really bad. And when it's really, really bad, I can't function. I'm done, absolutely done. And, and so I, I know this much of some of you who on a daily basis go through ailments, but you still have the question, how then shall I live? In the midst of this, am I going to sit and complain of my aches and pains? You know, of course, we're going to talk, talk to some people. We're gonna, or am I going to, I shouldn't say complain. Am I going to focus on this? Or am I going to say, I'm going to focus on that I'm a child of God and a prisoner of God, and he has life for me to live. How then am I going to live? I'm going to join with Paul. So one of some of the things as we go on, um, we find that he is a, he's a servant. Um, and I'm just going to pick a couple of things out of here because we don't, we don't have a lot of time this morning. But, um, so Paul is a servant, and he sees himself as a prisoner of the Lord as one. Number two, he sees himself as a servant. He sees himself as a manager of God's mystery. And we go on here. So in, ver- in, ver- in verse 2, he starts talking about this teaching, the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. Another word for um, this dispensation in the, in the NIV, actually. I think the NIV translates it better in this instance. Um, it says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. In the Greek, um, the word is, um, believe it or not, you're going to recognize the word oikonomia, like economy, oikonomia. And, and it means the management or administration of something, taking care of it. And so he was say, he's saying that you, um, God has given me to be the manager of God's grace. And so he has to give that grace out. Listen, go to, uh, if, you're, if you're in your Bible, go down to verse 7 with me real quick. It says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So two said, I'm an administer of the grace. In verse seven, he says, I'm a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me. So he's saying two things. I have received grace. And that's, I'm a servant 
because of God's grace for me. And we, we can all say, you know, most of us in this room, I know most of us, could raise your hand and say, I have received God's grace. You know, we, we make that acronym that says grace is this, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's a great way to remember that. We have the blessings of God because of what Christ went through. When you come to Christ, when you come to salvation, you receive grace. Grace for your sins to be covered by the blood. Grace to be restored to a relationship with God through Christ. We don't have to go through priests. We don't have to go through sacrifices. It's done. That's grace. But Paul, in verse 2, isn't just saying that he's received God's grace. He now says that he's an administer of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now, the word grace can also uh, has an understanding of being a gift from God or a gift. It's very closely related. So Paul is saying, I've received God's gift for me. I've received his grace, but I've also been given the administration of helping you to find grace and to have grace. He knows that God has called him to minister and administer for, for Christ, for God himself. So as a servant, he realized it's not just about receiving it's not just about having a mindset. We already know he's got the mindset that he's a prisoner of Christ. But he's also understanding that God gave him a specific task. And that's to minister what God has given him to minister. So here's, here's how that works for us. Each of us in here has a gift. We've all received God's grace if we've called on the name of Jesus to be forgiven of our sins. But then he also gives you a gift that you're supposed to use to minister to other people so they can be blessed. I'm not talking about you don't get to give people salvation, only Christ does that. But you have a gift. It might be a speaking gift. It might be a service gift. It might be an encouragement gift. It might be a combination. One of the gifts that we've all received that we're supposed to administer, that we're supposed to manage, be a steward of, is the gospel message itself that we've been given this charge and this gift to help other people hear the gospel of God's grace for them. And that's part of the understanding of a servant. We need to know that we're supposed to be stewards and managers of what God has given us. We, we come here for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. You know, I think there's, a, what is that, 140, 164 hours or something like that in a week, 168 well, of, of that, uh, one and a half hours is here. That means that God's priority is not us being here. God's priority is us being out there. Administering the grace of God to people. But we can only do that from the first place that we understand that we are servants of Christ. And we're prisoners of God. We're prisoners of Christ. That means, you know, I mean, when you're, when, even if you're on house arrest, and I won't ask if anyone's ever been on house arrest, I won't embarrass you. <laughs> I don't have one, thank God. <laughs> but you're all looking for my ankle, anklet, right? House arrest anklet. When you have one of those, you don't get to just do whatever you want to do. You're still under arrest. You're under the authority, and you can only do. See, we are under his authority as servants now. There's a lot of parts. We're not, you know, just prisoners, but Paul's 
put using that to say, listen, I'm not a prisoner of the world. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Christ. And we could say it like this. He captivated my heart, captivated my life. I am going to let him be the master. In our, in our uh, new beginners, uh, new members class that we did a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about this. The base problem of humanity is that we want to be the boss of our own life. We just want to be the boss. And it doesn't, unfortunately, change when we come to Christ. We still want to be the boss. We have to always die to ourselves and say, Lord, I want you to be the boss. And remember, Lord literally means that. If you lived in England, you'd be familiar with the phrase outside of the church. The Lord of the manor. They understand that the Lord is someone who rules over something. He's our Lord. He wants to rule over us with grace and compassion and mercy. And we recognize that we have, that we're first prisoners. We recognize that we're in his service. And then we need to realize that we have a gift, just as Paul did. Now, Paul's gift, I don't want his. I mean, his calling was really rough. His call was to take the gospel to Rome. It was to take it to the Gentiles and including being arrested and beaten and all those things. And personally, I'm just not signing up for that. You know, when we pass around the clipboards for who wants to get beaten for Jesus, I'm not going to sign that one. Now, if he calls me to it, I pray that I'll be faithful to it. Nobody's jumping up and down to, to sign that one. Who wants to be a martyr? <laughs> eh, me! Now, there might be some people who if it'll get me out of my job, I'll do it. <laughs> So, so God had a gift for Paul that was specific. What's yours? What's your gift? What's your grace? What is it that God is asking you to be and do? There's common ones. We're all supposed to share the gospel. That's for everyone. But God has given you specific things that he wants you to do as he, as he has for me. It's, and and I, I don't even want to start listing them because I think it can be anything. Yeah, yesterday, when I was l- trying to leave... There's a car sitting in the middle of the driveway. And, um, and that, there's, oh, there's cars here all the time. I mean, there's the cops park here, and I, you know, I hate it when they park here and you know, watch people drive by and give them tickets. I don't like that. But you know, people come and they park here, and th- you know, they leave their cars here. And so there was a lady sitting out there. I just kind of thought she was waiting for someone. And Shan goes, well, what's going on with that lady? I said, I'll go check. So I went over there. She's got a flat tire. And I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm done. We're going to go for a nice walk and have some, some time with my wife. And I said, you know, I'll change your tire for you. She was waiting for her daughter. She was a teacher at the school. And um, she was walking from the school. So we pull off the tire. And anyways, it was actually weird. She had picked up a rope and it wrapped around her axle and, and messed up her, her uh, um, alignment. And cal- everything was messed up down there. So anyways, that might be a gift that you have, stopping for people and loving them and serving them. You know, I know some people, they just like, anytime they see somebody in need, they just pull over and they help them. Maybe you have that in your heart, but you're not doing it. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe, maybe you're supposed to, maybe God has given you a blessing of finances and, and you're supposed to be not buying the next big boat. You're actually going to, instead, maybe buy a smaller boat. I'm not saying you have to sell everything, but maybe God's saying, you know what, buy a smaller boat instead of a bigger boat. Take the other money and give it away. 
Maybe that's your gift. That's your grace that you're supposed to administer. Maybe you're supposed to open your mouth and start teaching or, or helping or serving at the, in the nursery or the kids' zone. Maybe it's uh, doing something at work that, that uh, is out of your comfort zone, but God is giving it to you. So, so the quest is, God, show me the grace that you have for me to administer. Show it to me. I want to be faithful. I want to be a faithful servant. This next month, we're having our, our second steps class. Um, it's not our, yeah, it's kind of funny. It's our second first steps class. <laughs> Jessica's all over that. What do I call it? I don't know. We haven't come up with names. We'll just call it second steps. And then the third steps class. And, and we call them steps because life is a journey. We're always moving. And the, the next steps class, we talk about, uh, or the second steps class, we talk about growing in maturity. So we're going to talk about learning how to read and study the Bible um, and, and, and devotions and, and have a life of worship and praise and, and doing all these things. It's a great time. Our third steps class is about helping you to discover your gifts and your calling so that you can be released and, and do the things that we're kind of talking about here. So, so definitely plan on attending that if you haven't done that. We want to help to encourage you and inspire you to find your God-given gifts so that you can be like Paul who says that I have been called as an administrator of the grace of God. That's what we want to do. It's, it's kind of simple. We're going to... I don't have enough time. I, I think I'm just going to save the rest for next week. I encourage you to go back and read the first couple chapters of Ephesians all the way up through chapter 3 this week. And be in prayer as you do it. Pay attention to all the riches of Christ that are for you. Pay attention to what he's already done for you and how he's called you out of the darkness and, and give us an inheritance in the saints that he's adopted us as his kids. And, and so as we continue on in this, in this chapter that we go, you know what? I am a prisoner of the Lord. He has done everything for me and I'm going to serve him. And if he's given me everything that I have and all of these graces and all of these gifts, then how can I do anything less than serve him and be a, a, an administrator of those gifts for other people as well? Let's, let's close in prayer. God, we are amazed at your goodness and your kindness to us. And, and for those times that we're not, because maybe life is, is difficult, I pray that you would encourage us to come back to the Word or, or, or to read our journals of the miracles you've done and, and reconnect with you, the God of miracles. Remember that we once were far away, even as Ephesians has taught us and reminded us, we were not part of the family of God, but now we are. You've called us and adopted us. You've given us life. You've given us hope. This morning, as we just spend a little bit of time, God, help us to understand that we're your servants, that we committed our lives to you and that you are worthy to be our Lord, beyond worthy. And God, that we would be able to know the grace that you've given us, that we'll be able to look at our life and understand that no matter what's happening, that we belong to you and that you have a life for us and things to be involved with, ministry, if you will. And God, that you would help us to be stewards, administrators of the gifts that you've given us to pour out and give to others. God, and as, as we do that, we will see lost people come to knowledge of you and become saved. We'll see those that maybe were disenfranchised from the church hurt. 
God restored to relationship because we're taking the time to administer your grace to the people that you bring in our, into our lives. God, I thank you for this time this morning and thank you for your love and your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen.